the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and the companions hunted for Jesus. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Hey, St. Philip. I'm Pastor Aaron Coleman Branshaw. I use pronouns like she and her, and I serve as the pastor of St. Luke's Lutheran Church of Logan Square in Chicago. I'm delighted to be preaching with you this morning, and I want to thank your pastor, Josh, for the invitation to be here with all of you. Today at St. Luke's, I'm sharing the same sermon that I'm sharing with you today, but at St. Luke's, we're keeping Reconciling in Christ, or RIC, Sunday today, which means that we're taking this day to celebrate the fact that our congregation, along with yours, welcomes, affirms, and celebrates people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and more diverse identities of gender and sexuality with which God gifts us. I know that today isn't Reconciling in Christ Sunday for you, but I offer you this sermon knowing that God's message of love and welcome is true this week as it is every week of the year. Over the last several weeks, we've been making our way through the very first chapter of Mark's Gospel. And we are still in chapter one. This is still like Jesus's debut album where we're learning for the first time what this life and this ministry are all about. The story began when Jesus was baptized by John, then tempted in the wilderness. John was arrested and Jesus called the first disciples fishermen. Jesus went to the synagogue to preach performed his first exorcism, and now, in today's story, Jesus heads from the public realm into the private. From what is traditionally the realm of men, power, ideas, politics, into the home, the realm of tenderness and care, a place for the embodied and the ordinary parts of life, like bathing, resting, and eating into a space that is traditionally associated with women and children. And this space is where Jesus performs his first 
miracle of healing. Simon's mother-in-law is sick, in bed with a fever. Jesus takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and she is well again. And the story says that after she is healed, Simon's mother-in-law begins to serve them. Now, you know this part of the story always got on my nerves. This woman, who doesn't even get named by the gospel writer, has just been sick in bed. And now the second she feels well again, she's supposed to go around serving everyone? Like, give the poor woman a rest, I always thought. But there is more going on in this story than that. Because the word that Mark's gospel uses to say that she served them is the Greek word diakonia, the same word that we use to talk about deacons in our church. So this is not a subservient kind of service, not service under obligation or force, but a service that arises from God's call. All throughout this season, we've been focusing on our vocations, how paying attention to God's call in our lives leads us into being the people that God is calling us to be. And here in this story, that is exactly what Jesus heals this person, this woman, to do. Her fever is preventing her from the diakonia that she is called to do, showing hospitality to a visitor, hosting Christ in her own home. And Jesus removes that obstacle so that she can live out that vocation in wellness and freedom. The story brings to my mind all those people who are called by God and who are held back from their vocations, not by fever, but by discrimination or exclusion. Today on RIC Sunday at St. Luke's, we celebrate God's welcome for LGBTQIA people, but at the same time, we must be honest and lament and repent that the church has not always celebrated and welcomed us. Queer people have always served God's church as pastors, church musicians, deacons, council presidents, knitting ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers, maintenance people, and more. But for too long in our history, the church's theology and our policies acted like the fever that kept Simon's mother-in-law in bed. She was unable to fully step into the calling that God had for her. This fever had held her back, confined her, or trapped. Many of us whose identities fall under the diverse LGBTQIA umbrella have had experiences like this, both inside and outside the church. There are theologies that make God's love too small and exclude us from it. There are gender norms and cultural expectations that try to limit how we move in the world. There are stories about who we are and who we should be. There are people who bully and threaten. There are laws and policies that erase or endanger. 
This is even more true for those of us whose bodies also carry other marginalized identities, people of color, disabled people, immigrants, children. Like a raging fever, there is homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, queerphobia, making the church and the world very sick. These sins hurt LGBTQIA people and hold us back from being able to live fully as the beautiful and wonderful people that God made us to be. And these sins also hurt those of us who are cisgender and straight because the ideas that all of us internalize about who it's okay to be or how it's okay to love, these small ideas keep us confined to these tiny spaces. They keep us afraid of being too much or not enough. They lie to us saying that there is one right way to be a person or to be a woman or to be a man or to be a church. But Jesus's love isn't confined by boundaries of gender norms or power dynamics or societal expectations. And in that way, Jesus's ministry can be thought of as delightfully queer. The prefix trans, as in transgender, or transformation or transcontinental, means across or crossing over. In the story of Simon's mother-in-law, Jesus crosses over from the realm assigned to his gender, the public realm, and does his very first healing miracle in the domestic realm with and alongside and for a woman. Jesus's love crosses over. Jesus's love is always crossing over to the other side of the road, to the other kind of people away from what is considered normal or acceptable, and instead always towards the margins, towards the strange, beyond the norms. On my refrigerator at home, held up by broken magnets, I have a card that I received from Drew Stever, a candidate for ministry in the ELCA, who this past summer ran an online Quarantine camp, which was an online summer camp for Lutheran LGBTQIA youth. The card says in bright blue ink and squiggly font, God loves weirdos. God loves weirdos. I treasure it and read it to myself every day. Those three words encapsulate Jesus's ministry so simply. It is not the small business owners or elected leaders or all-star athletes who come looking for Jesus at sundown on the Sabbath after Simon's mother-in-law is healed. It is those who are living with chronic illness or disability, those who have a variety of diseases, those who are possessed with demons, people who really aren't doing okay. And the story says that the whole city was gathered around that door. 
Jesus was with them. Jesus's ministry was for and among them because Jesus loved them. God loves weirdos. And that is good news for you and for me, for LGBTQIA+, and straight cis people, because it means that God's love is so powerful that it knows no bounds. God doesn't need you to be a certain way, to love a certain way, to dress or act or understand yourself a certain way. When God came to live on earth, God lived in a body that defied expectations. And so any of us who are different or who exist in marginalized bodies, who love in ways that break the norm, we are following in the way of Jesus. This is one of the many gifts that LGBTQIA people bring to the church, the gift of expansive imagination about what love can look like. God's love is so creative, so dynamic. We can spend a lifetime learning about God's love and we will never stop being surprised. Which brings me to the joy and the challenge of growing in love. We are all still learning and growing to love. None of us has arrived. Congregations that are RIC don't get to just sort of check that off the list as if loving LGBTQIA people is something you just do once and forget about it. Martin Luther spoke of the baptismal journey as a process of daily conversion, washing away sin and rising to new life each and every morning. And the sins of homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, and queerphobia, which have been part of the church for so long, those are no different. God calls us all in our baptismal vocations to daily and always wrestle and grow, always on the journey of love and acceptance, of liberation and healing. It is a process. And even, and especially for those of us who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and more, for all of us, for all of you who are still working towards love and acceptance for your own selves. I want to say that wherever you are on that journey, your experience is valid. Your struggle is important and holy. Your liberation matters to God. And today, Jesus is crossing over into your realm to be with you to touch you gently on the arm and to lift you up, to bring you into a future that is healed and free, empowering you for a vocation of love and service because who you are is a gift and your calling from God is a gift to the whole world. And for all those of us for whom God's love feels far off, who feel weary or tired, who wonder where to find God in the mess that is the world these days, the prophet Isaiah has a word of hope today. 
to people suffering in exile, wondering if or how restoration will ever come, God speaks power and healing and mighty love. Have you not known? Have you not heard? In your despair, remember that God is the one who created the world and is still creating, who makes God's home with us like a person setting up camp. The power of earthly rulers, all the forces of evil are nothing compared to the one who made us all and who is still making sure that no one is missing. To a people enduring great suffering, the prophet Isaiah asks, why do you wonder whether God cares for you? There may be exile, there may be pandemic, there may be suffering or fear or death. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who does not faint or grow weary whose understanding is unsearchable, who gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths will faint and weary, young people will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. May it be so for you, for all of us, this day and always. Amen.